Hi, this is Chad. I so appreciate you listening each week to the insights to help you become a product master. And I've been diligently working to create a special online event for you, other product managers and product VPs. I want to amplify how this podcast is helping product professionals, and I'm pulling together two dozen of the top people in their field to share their tips and advice to help you scale up and accelerate your career. It's going to be great. It's also going to be a free event, and I'll share more about it soon. I'm not quite ready yet, but I found myself in a really good flow this week working on the event, and I decided to make this episode a flashback one, rerunning the most listened to episode we've had yet. It's from about two years ago. It's with Tom Henschel, an executive coach who focuses on communication. And by the way, Tom is also one of those two dozen people who are world-class experts that you'll be hearing from in just a few weeks. In this discussion, Tom shares a simple and effective four-part system to communicate more clearly and sound more like a leader. If you haven't heard it before, it is definitely worth hearing it now. The original episode is next. Tom, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you because uh, I I have some affinity just for your discipline that you were in once upon a time, which is acting, because it's something that I can't do. You know, maybe (laughs) maybe with some help I could. Um, I took my first improv class last year, which was just great fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I took it. Oh, good for you. I took it just to try to be a little bit more flexible and present, you know, and responsive to, you know, ad hoc in the moment things. And did did it do that for you? Uh, It was great. It was was helpful. And it's. Oh, that's cool. Uncomfortable being with a group of people I didn't know and trying to respond in uh, a a genuine, but, you know, you're making up the stories as you go. So it's a different sort of thing. So it was great. I should do it more. Cool. With that, you have a background in acting, and now you are a professional communications coach. I enjoyed seeing you. Most of my listeners won't know this because it's uh, been a while, uh, but Barney Miller was this great sitcom a few decades ago. Um, yeah, and, long time uh, ago. Some commercials that you've been in and, and work that people would recognize, and lots of fun. And now you're doing, you're helping others communicate better. And specifically, helping uh, people in leadership roles or moving towards leadership roles be better, more clear communicators. I'm just curious, how do you think about leveraging that experience? Does it come from your acting background? How does this fit together? In a way. Here's how I think about it sometimes. When I remember when I was a kid, I used to love cartoons and they would make me laugh Mm -hmm. and I would be engaged with cartoons. But I also remember, like, I grew up, I remember as a boy seeing Dumbo in the movie theaters. I mean, that's my age, right? And I had some sense as a child how amazing it was that these moving pictures of elephants could make me feel things. Mm -hmm. And as I thought about that, it was like, well, they're drawing behavior. And they would talk about – I remember reading how the animators would look at themselves in the mirrors while they were drawing. And I totally understood all that because behavior has meaning to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I – kind of raise my fist to you and I make a face and I stomp on the ground, like you're going to have a reaction to that. But it's just behavior. I may have nothing in my heart about it, right? Right. So that was really fascinating to me. And I think I took that into my acting career, that behavior has meaning. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're on camera and people are up close to your face, that what, I mean, when you raise an eyebrow, it has meaning. Right. And, or whatever. And so here we are in the workplace where I think people forget that behavior has meaning. I talk about it as acting on the corporate stage. Like, you know, our audience is all around us all the time Mm -hmm. and we forget our behavior has meaning. Right. 
Our, our behavior certainly generates a response also, you know, uh, right. positive or negative when we're trying to, especially as product managers, when we're trying to influence others and we're in a situation where we have no real authority. And usually that doesn't work well for people anyhow, right? So you know, how, how do you influence someone? Um, you're you're going to have a positive or negative re- response based on your behavior. Yes. Your behavior can have a lot to do with it. Now, clearly you need to have your ideas together sure. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yes. And so that's, by the way, to me, that's the connection between theater, for example, which is the discipline I grew up in and my work, let's say in the boardroom now as an executive coach mm-hmm. is that idea that, look, are you being intentional? I mean, as actors, we were always asked, I mean, it's like the joke, what's your intention? You know, like go out right. and be a tree. What's my intention? You know, I mean, well, but people forget that in, when I talk with people all the time, I go, what, what's your intention here? What do you want out of that meeting? Like, and they have to think about it. Mm-hmm. They have, they haven't, don't have it figured out yet. So I'm a big advocate of that, of like, what it really, especially for product managers who, as you say, need to influence without authority. They're talking to people all the time. They've got, oh my gosh, all these different kind of constituencies going on, all these different audiences they have to influence. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that whole idea to remember that you, your intent, your intention has to be clear because your work is so complex. I wonder if we, you can give us an example here, maybe a story from your background to provide some context for this too. And, and I came across you from, you do the executive coaching, but also from some workshops. You have one called the uh, look and sound of leadership. I thought that really is applicable to product managers, especially ones that we're trying to move more into roles of influence where we can really just influence the product strategy better because we want to provide value to our customers. Um, and we're moving towards leadership roles or we're trying to be more effective in a leadership role. And uh, wanted to apply that to, uh, you know, product managers, this idea of the, how do you look and sound like a leader? An example of providing context for this would be helpful. Do you have a, a story you can share? I do. I have many, right? I mean, so just to put a kind of clarity around that little phrase, the look and sound of leadership, um, the look and sound of leadership is the name of a podcast that I've been doing since 2008. It's, um, it's kind of the big leader on my website. The look and sound of leadership is my brand. Mm-hmm. So when I talk with people, like when, when people say, well, what do you coach on? That's often what I answer is I coach on the look and sound of leadership. I mean, it's kind of how I conceive of the world, if you will, the, my world of work. Mm-hmm. And it connects, I hope you hear that it connects clearly to this idea of your behavior has meaning, right? right. Your look, your sound. Has, okay. So, so when I, one of the guys that I think of, who I was just fantastic around having the look and sound of leadership with this guy named Phil. So Phil was a senior leader at an aerospace company. He'd been there for over 20 years. He'd worked his way up and he was now leading a project that had billions of dollars attached to it Mm. for the defense department. And he was running it. I mean, like that's enormous scope. And he'd come up through all the ranks and been a manager at all different levels. Well, I would come into Phil and I'd sit down and I'd go, so Phil, what are we talking about today? And he would say something like this. He'd go, well, there are three things I want to talk about. I want to talk about, um, now I just have to make some stuff. So now I want to talk about a conversation I had with my boss. I want to talk about something that's going on in my staff meetings. And there's one thing with one of my direct reports I'd really like to talk with you about. Okay. Now, I think for some people, like product managers, I think some people hear that and they get it completely, right? Some people don't like their information sorted like that. 
I do. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to sound like a leader. But it means he had to pre-think, even if only like he saw me coming down the hall. Right. And he did a quick little sort, put them in boxes, put labels on them and numbered them. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the look and sound of leadership. And some people are really good at this and some people suck. Mm, right. So I think it's better if you're better at it. I think that's, I don't know. I, I wonder what it sounds like to you, by the way. I wonder if you like that style of communicating. So part of this is probably some kind of wiring, right? Each one of us are wired in a different way. And I like very structured information. Maybe that's from because I managed a lot of projects in the past or I was an engineer in the past. And I like things in sound bites and structured and, you know, short to the point. Now, interestingly, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I also have this very bad habit of leaving rambling voicemail messages. And I don't know why I do that because I wow, tend to Wow, you talk- still leave voicemail? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of that going around. That's right. But instead of just saying, hey, need to talk, call me back. Right. I, I, I might talk for a minute or two about what we need to talk about. Hey, call me back. Right. Um, and do you know whether people find that effective or not effective? I mean, do they listen to the end? Well, so here's me being hypocritical about it because I don't find it effective at all when I get those voicemails. Oh, so you don't right? like it as a receiver? <laughs> no, because I like things yeah. short, concise, and structured. But you know what I love about that, Chad, and I think it's really important, is that what we like as a receiver often can be a teacher. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, there was like what you just did, that was a little piece of self-teaching of like, wow, I, that's how I like it as a receiver. Maybe I should do that as the, right. you know, as the actor. So I I think it's true, though, that we tend to have one set of criteria for what we want to receive. This is how I want my material. But when it's my turn to explain things, you know, I get, I give myself a pass. And uh, I, I just think that's kind of human nature, but it's one of the ways that people have to get conscious of what they're doing and make choices. And mm-hmm. like, are you saying it in a way that you would like? Are you? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and the situation certainly plays into this. You know, so Phil was responding to you, you know, when you, when you asked, what are we going to talk about? And so he had his three bullet points, you know, to share with you, right? Short, concise, well-structured. This is what we need to get done. I take it in that context, at least, that's a characteristic of what it looks and sounds like to be a leader, right? Yes, I think so. And and what it connects to is this guy has the ability to pre-sort his information in a way that makes it manageable to me. Mm-hmm. We all communicate all the time, right? And pro- I think, look, I may be wrong, but I think that product management is complex. I think product management, That's right? fair. Lots of moving parts, lots of data. It's your job to sort the data so that I can understand it because I'm just like, I've got one part of it, mm-hmm. right? Like I've got my part of it that I'm going to kind of defend and have blinders on about and blah, blah, blah. So if you can't make me understand the bigger picture or if you can't communicate in a way that makes sense to me, you're not going to be terribly effective. So, yeah, I think a lot of times to sit down and go, look, we have three things to do. Here's what each of them are. Mm-hmm. This one is going to take the longest. Let's do that one first. You know, as a product manager, if you can do that, that's great. But I do not see a lot of people doing that. I don't know what your experience is. I think everyone's uh, mileage will vary here, right? (laughs) Um, And some are better at it than others. But at least for the product managers and innovators listening, let's help them with some specifics on how they can do this better. Because they are the ones that matter most because they're trying to improve. I, I love my listeners. Well, let me ask you a question, Chad. If I'm a big believer that this little tool that I call sorting and labeling, mm-hmm. the way Phil talked, I think this little tool is transformative. The people who get it sound more executive. They they are 
they're seen as better communicators. That's a good thing. So my question is, I've modeled it twice now, and I don't know whether you think that's enough learning or whether you want me to actually kind of teach it like a little tool because I can teach it like a tool. Like there's parts to it. So we can go go in depth on it if you want, or we could just kind of say to people, hey, sorting and labeling, do that. Uh, You know, I I think one tool we can go in deep in depth would be great. And people will walk away with something they can put into action in just a few minutes. So, and I think we should break it down because there, there's something else that you said in, in talking about it. What in that example you gave talking to the person about what they need to know, right. Or they might just go off and do, you know, something that's important to them. So there, there, you, there was some context of, you know, modifying this for the individual too. So if we can, why don't we break down, down the tool and we'll get this one under our belt and we'll all have a new tool in our toolkits. So first off, I want to let people know this is available. I'm happy to send it to them. It's, I I love sharing this. This this is like the gospel for me. Like I spread this word and I've been talking about sorting and labeling for years and years and years and years. I really believe in it. Mm -hmm. I have seen it transform people. So there's four parts to it. It's really simple. Number one is the headline. So you got to tell people what you're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. So if it's a presentation, you know, you, or I might say, what I want to talk to you about is successful presentations. And then in my head, I have to put a period there and a pause and take a breath. Right. So the people's brains take it in. It's a headline. Most people make it a run-on sentence. Hey, look, what we need to talk about at the meeting today is this meeting that I had with the customer and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, whoa, wait, stop. You just right. blew past your headline, pal. So that's number one is a headline. Number two is sort. And usually to me, that means numbers. Look, if you've got an agenda with 14 items on it, it's too long. Collapse them together, whatever, or only do half. I mean, I don't want anybody to sit down and say, we've only got 14 things to cover. That's just never going to fly. Mm-hmm. But but ones, twos, threes, fives, maybe seven. But again, if you're walking into a meeting and you often have one thing you need answered, that's really powerful to sit down and go, I need one answer today. We need to come to one decision or I can't move forward. Right. That's that number helps me here, whether it's one or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. sort you need to figure out. And again, some people I do this now, literally, as I'm walking somewhere, I sort my thoughts. Mm -hmm. It used to be that I had to stop and take notes. And by the way, one of the ways I taught myself this, Chad, was on voicemail was I wouldn't let myself dial the phone until I'd sorted my ideas. You know, that's a good tip for me, Tom. (laughs) Right. Right. But but that. that was. Yeah, the, and that was how I taught my, this to myself. So anyway, you got to sort how many, what are their names? L- the labels go in here, by the way, right? Um, so hold on. A headline, sort. Number three is label. Okay. And think of labels like literally labels of the folders of your desktop. I mean, they're short. They're not explanations. So like when I sat down with Phil and he said, I want to talk about that conversation with my boss that was his label. He didn't go into the detail. He didn't drive down. It was just a label. I want to talk about my staff meeting. I want to talk about one of my direct reports. They were just labels. Okay. So, And that's hard because we, we see the label and we see everything that's in the file and we want to start talking. Don't. And then so we've gotten to three. Number four are what I call transition statements. Look, if I set up all these folders, I want to talk about these three things. I have to tell you which folder I'm in. I know you don't because they're my folders. So, you know, John asks a question and I say, oh, John, that let's address that right now. 
And that's item number two that we were going to talk about. That's, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. time and budget, whatever. But I just said that little thing, that's item number two. That's a transition statement. But everybody's brain, like a little, you know, CD drive or something, you know, they get out of the one groove, they drop in the other groove, and they know what they're listening to. It's assuming they're paying attention. But the point is you're being the clear communicator. Mm-hmm. You're telling me. What folder am I in? And then when I've answered the question or whatever, or we're done with the topic, we close the folder. That's great. That takes care of number two. Let's go to number three. Just those little things. I mean, they don't even take 10 seconds, but they make you responsible for what we're talking about. And by the way, even if somebody else, I do this all the time. If somebody else comes to the table and starts talking, I say, so I hear that we're going to talk about three things. Right. Right. I mean, I can interpret it. I can sort. I can do that. I'm a smart guy. So come on. And then it becomes my responsibility to say, am I right that we're in folder number two? Right. And people go, yeah, we are. And and I'm just helping the communication. I'm not trying to control anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to make it clear. So you can sort and label in all kinds of ways. A headline. Use numbers, use labels, do transition statements. Boom, you're done. Good. And I want to walk through these one more time with you. Uh, Okay. So, again, our context is, you know, every innovator is listening. This is people that want to move into leadership or already are there and just trying to look and sound more like a leader. A lot of that just comes with clear communication. First step is to have a headline. What are we going to talk about? And too often I see, you know, if we were to write this out as a script, there's like a paragraph or a page that is discussed before you actually get to the headline. And, yes, you know, and what all this is background, all that? what all led up to this, you know, we're having this problem with customer support, blah, blah, blah. What is it we actually need to get to? And I oh, cringe. Chad, I, I, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. Go, go, go. I, I cringe when I listen to uh, talk radio some of the time. And, and there's this lawyer show that I, I like to listen to, right? Because it's funny and it's also some interesting information. And I forget the guy's name offhand. But every now and then, he's someone that wants to get to the point. Why are you calling? Right. Uh-huh. And someone will call in with all this background <laughs> information, you know, well, it started 12 years ago. And like, what is it you need help with now? Get to the headline. Well, you know what I hear in that is this lawyer knows what's relevant right. and wants to get to what's relevant. And often when we come to the table and we're full of our stuff, I'm going to change, I'm going to transition us into a different piece right now. But when, when, when I come to the table and I'm full of my stuff, I want to tell you all about it. Mm. Right. I want to tell you what happened in this meeting and what he said and what I heard from her. And right. I want, cause it's all important to me. Well, if you're trying to figure it out, if you're the lawyer or you're my boss or you're my customer or whatever it is, right. On the other side, none of that stuff is relevant to you. Right. It's just Tom talking. Yep. So one of the other things, when I think about the look and sound of leadership, one of the other things that I work with people on all the time is talking at a higher altitude. So one of the ways that I talk about this, I talk about this all the time, so i got a million ways to talk about this. But one way I talk about this is think about how you used to talk about your work five years ago. You were probably still processing certain parts of the work that by now you've been doing for five more years. They're, they're kind of unconscious, so you blow by them. Mm-hmm. And unless someone else needs to know them, you do not need to spend time on them. They're, they become little tiny gravel on the side of the road. They used to be. You used to have to stop your car, get out of the car, move the rock out of the way. You know, But now it's like you fly past. Okay. You don't even talk about that stuff anymore. Well, my concern is that when people sit down and they start with these big preambles, they're talking all that stuff that makes them sound like five years ago or whatever. It's stuff that's important to them that they're processing that has no value to me. Right. 
and I don't need to hear your verbal processing. That's what your team is for, by the way. I think you should rehearse all this stuff. Like, I mean, especially, by the way, if you're going to a big client meeting or a big customer meeting or sure. you're going into a big, you know, interdepartmental thing, oh, my gosh, why wouldn't you work with your team and figure out what you're going to say? But I want to tell you, people do not think of rehearsal as work time. They do not. They think they can, you know, be banging stuff out on their computer until five minutes before the meeting and walk down the hall to the meeting, sit down and lead a good meeting. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Right. Like, and by the way, I mean, I came from, you know, the discipline of theater. I grew up in the classical theater. I was trained at Juilliard, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, you know, I was one of those serious guys. I did, by the way, I did not do improv ever because improv scared the crap out of me. So like <laughs> I was not an improv guy because I was very disciplined and, you know, real kind of, um, you know, traditional in, in all of that. Well, I would never, even to this day, I've been talking about this stuff for decades. I would never get up in front of a group of people and talk without having done some rehearsal mm -hmm. and sorting my ideas. And by the way, I did it for our conversation today, Chad. I didn't know exactly what we were going to talk about, but of course I'm going to get my thoughts together. Mm -hmm. That's my job. Right. But I want to tell you that I work with people all the time who don't even think of it as a thing. They do not think to take time out to Think about what they're going to talk about because it does take time. I mean, it might be your drive time. Mm -hmm. It might be it might be time in the shower. I mean, I'm not saying you have to stop your work day. You might, but I don't know. But my point is people don't make time for it with intention and it makes it better. And boy, if you can talk to your people and do an actual rehearsal so things come out of your mouth and you talk your ideas through, it's like getting rid of that first layer of cream that's on top mm -hmm. and you get down to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to be a leader and someone with more influence – take the time to do this. There's another aspect of headline, and you touched on it a little bit there as you were talking about it, was, you know, my stuff that I need to share, communicate, find out, isn't necessarily what the person I'm talking to cares about. As I'm mm. thinking about crafting the headline, how much should I be thinking about who I'm talking to and trying to put the headline in terms that will matter to them? Well, it, I'm not sure if this is where you're headed, so let me ask a question back. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like this would be me as a listener, as opposed to as a, what we often think of is I'm communicating when I'm talking, right? <laughs> right. So is that part of what you're talking about? You're shifting now from speaking to listening. Is that what you had in mind? Maybe I can use your Phil example. You know, so when, when you asked Phil, you know, what are we going to talk about? He responded in a clear way you know, for what he expected that conversation to be, right? You're going to help him with these kind of issues. So that that was the context. If I'm a product manager and I need to go talk to a marketing executive about something we need help with that's coming down the road, and I know that the marketing executive has 10 higher priority things that, that he or she's thinking about right now, but I got to get their attention for a, a few minutes to get this problem solved that we're having, I would think I would need to put a headline together that captures their attention at least long enough to, to help me accomplish what I need to. Great. What a great scenario. And uh, yes, everything you said, yes. Okay. Be intentional. Think ahead. And I would add one thing, which is be sure that you don't tell this marketing manager your problem. Hmm. The marketing manager does not care about your problem. That's a good point. The marketing manager cares about her problem, mm -hmm. right? So you got to make it about her. Yep. I mean, you're, you're in sell mode, get real. Yep. So, I mean, it's the benefit to them that you're selling They're the benefit to you. Nobody cares about boo hoo, get over it. So, I mean, yes, I understand that you, right. Me, the product manager, I have a problem to solve. Yes, you do. That's true. That is not the marketing manager's problem. 
So, Good. okay. Step two was sort. So just you're, you're oh, laying out a framework, right? <laughs> Numbering the the items to discuss. And it, it, it's interesting to me you shared that because with my university teaching hat on, so I help product managers a lot. I also teach product management and at times teach project management. Oh, cool. We all deal with way too much information. And I tell them, you know, when, when you write your answers to questions, if it makes sense, use a numbered list. Like, well, why do you want a numbered list? It's because we both immediately know. We can look at your piece of paper and know, oh, there's five things you're going to talk about here, Right. If you use bullets, well, then you're asking me to actually do more processing. And I'm tired already. I don't want to have to do that, right? Make this as easy as possible to grasp what you're trying to communicate. And so you're doing this verbally setting up, you know, I we have three things we need to talk about. Number one, number two, number three, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you said something really interesting. When I first was talking about this, this is now some time ago, you said something about, you know, people with different styles of communication. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to assure you that, when I, I laugh because I think about who I am, you know, I'm a guy who talks in metaphors and analogies, and that's what I'm at. But I have learned this, and I, this was a self-taught skill. I learned it from someone else, and then I taught it to myself daily for years mm. until I got really good at it. I, it's, it's learnable. And I, by the way, I don't mean to make it sound like it's like learning to, you know, do, you know, it's not an Everest to climb. It is not that difficult. It just takes a little bit every day. Uh, but boy, oh boy, it does make a difference. So yeah, sorting is learnable. Okay, good. And think about things more structuredly. And then we had labels, that short description to what goes after the number, right? The, what are we going to talk about? I, I went to this conference a couple of years ago called the score conference. Uh, the, this guy, Ken Davis, uh, has been doing it for 20 plus years on how, how do you do a better job speaking publicly and, and just, being more clear. And one of those elements scores an acronym and uh, you start with your subject and move on. Right. But one thing they often talk about is, okay, tell your audience, you have three things you're going to share, you know, whatever the number is. I noticed the speakers would often tie in some form of of alliteration to just make the, it easier to remember this, them, you know, so for example, I provide uh, courses for product managers to, you know, to become product masters is the way I phrase it, uh, get better at what they do. And I say, you know, you're going to do three steps here. You're going to take the quiz to find out where, where are you, what course do you need? Then you're going to take the course, then you're going to take the lead, right? So I'm, I'm emphasizing nice. the, the take part, right? Three steps, take the quiz, take the course, take the lead. Nice. What do you think about that in terms of labels to help just remember and add structure? Are we just overthinking this way too much? No, no. Listen, I think if you're going to, like, for example, you're branding a product, right, or whatever, I think it's great. If I'm banging out an email to you, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to do that. Right. Even if I'm walking down the hall to talk to this marketing manager, I don't think I'm going to get there. Could I? Yeah, but like, is it, you know, is it adding value in a kind of influence situation? I I don't know that it does. Right. I think if you're in an influence situation, like I think coming into a meeting where there's lots of people there, I don't know that the acronym is going to be important only because, by the way, in three weeks, it will not be relevant anymore. Right. Yeah. So if it is something we're talking about that has long term. Then sure. Right. Something we're kind of branding. Okay. Good. Yeah. So we got our labels and then these transition statements. And as you're describing that, I thought about this is just a roadmap, right? So we've, I'm talking with you. We have this roadmap in place. There's three things we want to talk about. You know, now we're moving on to the second point, right? This is where we're right. going. I want to be clear. The transition statements are not the map. 
right. transition statements are you telling me where we are on the map. Right, right. So I, I'm making use of what was set up already, right? The, the numbers right. and the, and the uh, labels. Right, that's the map. Yeah, and then the transition statement is just saying, by the way, we're in Idaho right now. By the way, now we're in D.C., right? right? I mean, you just need to call the map. That's it. That's, I mean, and once you've laid out the map, it's so easy. I'll, actually, I've never used that analogy before, but that's a perfect analogy. You know, just call out the stops on the map. Yeah. Right? Yep. Excellent. Okay, so I like this. It's a nice, concise tool that people can grab hold of. Some people are listening going, I already talked that way. That's wonderful. Not everyone so, does. <laughs> but it, by the way, for the people who do talk that way, I would ask, do they listen that way? Okay. Because that's really interesting when you can start doing it in the reverse. It's kind of ninja, you know, where mm -hmm. it's like you listen to other people's stuff and you sort it for them. Right. It's great. It's cool. That's good. So let me ask you about that real quick. So as a leader, one of the clear things when it comes to the look and sound of leadership. So I'm a product manager moving into that more strategic leadership role. Recognize I need to start talking a little bit differently. Here's a great tool we just went through in terms of how can I make sure I'm talking clearly and concisely and being focused on the problem and not my stuff, right, <laughs> that I'm bringing to the conversations. As I'm helping others, because I have to talk with so many people cross-functionally and cross-organization, as I'm helping others improve their communication, how do you navigate that a little bit so you're trying to help them in a good way and not uh, create friction in the process. Mm. Right? I, and, the, and the friction would come from what? I can just see the delivery being a potential issue. You know, So if, if I'm talking to someone over in, uh, let's say, engineering about things we need to get done, I say, okay, let, let's just stop. We're not getting anywhere. It would be really helpful if you would first give me your headline you know, tell me how many points we're going to get through here, All right? Now, now I, I, I'm being a little extreme, right? But it seems like it would be helpful to coach others I'm interacting with to also try to be clear and concise. Well, listen, if you're in a position to coach, great. I mean, and if people are up for your coaching, great. I think one way to learn to do it is to teach it. Uh, mm -hmm. Lord knows that was true for me, right? Yeah. Like I was teaching it in classrooms and, you know, talking about it all the time. So sure, if you're willing not everybody wants to learn from you and, right. you know, I don't know. That's important but, to yeah. recognize. Yeah. But if, yeah, if people are up for it and, and here again, by the way, sometimes it's easier to have, to have something actually to show so that you're not just making it up. And that's where I say, have people can just reach out to me. I'll send them a PDF that's really pretty and they can mm -hmm. just, you know, show it to people and talk about it. If they really want to get into it. Great. Right. Yeah. And that's a nice way, you know, if you're part of a team, whether you're a leader of the team or not, just say, you know, here's a resource I came across. It's been really helpful to me. Why don't we just walk through it? It might, might help someone else here too. So, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's very useful. Speaking of that, is that something I can add to the show notes for, of this discussion? Could I put a link to your PDF in there so people can get access to this? You can put a link to me, and okay. then I'll send it to them. It's not just kind of posted somewhere where they could download it, although okay. that wouldn't be a bad idea. But that's not the way it is at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, sure. Let yeah, just reach That'd out to me, and I'm happy to send it. Yeah, want, yeah, absolutely. Want to make sure it's uh, easily available for every innovators and be another good resource for them to use and maybe to use with others also. So great. I'm, yeah, nice. In the interest of, of keeping podcast episodes relatively short. This is a really good element in terms of the look and sound of, of leadership. I'm sure there are many others one <laughs> can talk about. Sure. Are, are there other resources available on your website, places that people could get more information? 
Yeah. The Look Inside of Leadership is the name of a podcast. It's also the name of an HTML email and a PDF and all this stuff. It's all these. And they come out once a month. I've been doing, I've actually been writing them since 2005. They're all available on my website. And they're all kind of sorted by categories, communication skills for women, uh, leadership, executive presence, that kind of stuff. It's like, great, go in and help yourself. You bet. They're all, they're all there. Mm-hmm. And you said you have a newsletter. Is that a... Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, monthly, that's, weekly. That's monthly. Okay. And it, so it, and it essentially echoes the podcast, although the podcast has kind of commentary and some extra material. But yeah, the HTML email goes out once a month, and it's essentially this essentially the same as the podcast. Excellent. So since 2005, there's a lot of good resources there for people. Yeah, and, I've never missed a month. Woohoo. That, that's that's a hard schedule to keep. And, it uh, is. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, well done. Thanks. And what's the URL where people can find that information? So my company's called Essential Communications, and the URL is essentialcom.com. Dot com. So it's essential com like communications, essential com two ms.com. Okay. Essential C O M M.com. Yep. Very good. And that's where people will find the look and sound podcast information uh, on your website too, of course, and the newsletter and great resources. And as everyday innovators know, I love innovation quotes and quotes related to innovation and success and I always ask guests for one. You could, could you share one that you like and why, why that's important to you? Well, I don't know if this is connected to innovation, but I do believe it is connected to success. This is from a guy named Nathaniel Brandon. Nathaniel Brandon's life work was around self-esteem. And he's written many books that are really well-written, but also really clear and have some amazing tools in the back. I mean, boy, he's what a gift he gave to the world. So there's a quote that he has that's really simple. It says, self-esteem, high or low, tends to be a generator of self-fulfilling prophecies. Boy, do I believe that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how we think about ourselves is essentially we, is what we think we deserve, and what we think we deserve is usually what we get. Absolutely. So, so people who see no limit in front of them have no limits in front of them. It's, it's astonishing. It's incredible. And I want to tell you, when I sit down with those men and women that I'm coaching where there just are no problems in the road, and I'm just like an accelerator in their life, mm-hmm. it's a blast. They're fantastic. Talk about high self-esteem. Man, they are rocking. It's great. Excellent. There's a quote, and I can't think of the attribution off the top of my head who said this, but you know, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yes. Um, and I want to say that that was like Henry Ford. I, I was going to and, go with Henry Ford. And, yeah, uh, and, him or- and I mean, this is mine is not unlike Elizabeth, uh, about Eleanor Roosevelt's right. That says, you know, no person can make you feel bad about yourself without your permission. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's that same kind of idea that your self-esteem is predicting your future. Yep. Absolutely. Your, your self-esteem is creating your outcomes. And it's like, boy, Get to work on that. You want to sound like a leader? You want to look like a leader? You want to be a leader? Work on your self-esteem. Can I add one little tiny idea at the end here? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Brandon wrote in a book about work was this. Picture a CEO, and he's gathering people around him to help lead the team. Is he going to pick people with higher self-esteem than him? Probably not. So if his self-esteem is at a six out of 10, 10 being really highly evolved, one being a stone in the garden, 
and he's at a six, he's probably going to pick people who are at four and five and six, hmm. which is not the worst thing in the world, but it ain't eights, nines, and tens. Right. And I think the company who has leaderships in the eights, nines, and tens, I think they're going to outperform. Yep. So are you working on your self-esteem? Right. That's my question. Yeah. Yep. Steve Jobs comes to mind. He, he had this thing that was called the um, reality disruption field. But yes, he, right, he, right. He did not see reality as others saw it. He saw anything's possible, right? We, we can we can make that happen. And right. people might think it takes two years, and he might think it could be done in two days. And often he figured out a way to get it done. So um, pretty interesting. Thank you very much for sharing that quote. And again, one more time, people want to find more information because we just dove into one little tool, you know, this uh, sorting and labeling, doing the headline, uh, so many others. Tell us again where we can go to, to find out more resources. So the Essential Communications website at EssentialCom.com. Wonderful. Tom, thanks so much for bringing joy in my life as a younger kid when it came, comes to your acting. <laughs> and now helping us be more clear communicators and having the look and sound of leadership. My pleasure, really. What a pleasure to talk to you, Chad. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request. Just search for Chad McAllister, PhD, and you'll find my profile. And for a summary of the discussion with Tom, go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 137. From that page, you can download the Product Mastery Roadmap for making the move from Product Manager to Product Master. All that and more is at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 137. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.